0: Welcome to Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. Before listening to today's episode, please be advised, some content may include discussion around topics that are difficult to hear, especially for children under the age of 13. We want to encourage you to care for yourself, security, and well-being. Resources of each episode will be listed in the episode description and on the website shittotalkabout.com.
1: Hey, Sarah. Thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. Please introduce
0: yourself and what shit you want to talk about today. So my name is Sarah Kennedy. Thanks for having me today. I'm a coach for parents of LGBTQIA youth. And um, I'm also the parent of a transgender child. And the shit I don't want to talk about, but we need to talk about is what it's like to be a parent of an LGBTQIA parent. And some of the struggles we go through that people often will tell us we shouldn't.
1: Yeah. Like I remember in our intro call, we dug into a lot of that. And I am excited for this episode because I had a gazillion questions back then, but that was probably about three months ago, maybe four. So I don't remember all the answers. So now I can re-ask them. Uh, So what did you do before you became a coach? Before uh... your child uh, talked about Uh, or decided to come out. How do you say that properly? They decided to talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an occupational therapist by trade and I became a coach for um, parents of neurodivergent kids, knowing that eventually this was what I was going to do, but I needed to wait for permission from my child. um, Because part of what I do is be very transparent about my own experience and i needed him to be okay with that. So, um there is a great intersection of neurodiversity and gender diversity. And so i naturally was attracting um individuals within the niche i wanted to work in anyway. Um okay. so it just kind of fell into place as he was ready. Okay. Um before we dive into that,
1: what is like I get what neurodiversity is. I couldn't put a definition on it. Could you explain to, to me and the audience
0: what neurodiversity is? Anybody who thinks differently than anybody else. I think almost everybody falls on a neurodiverse spectrum. So it used to be that was a catch-all phrase for people on the autism spectrum, but there's so much more diversity in our brains than the, than just the spectrum. So. I was looking at brains who think differently, who are wired differently, um, who do things in what we consider an unusual way. For example, I I write things down just in conversation um, because it helps me stay on track. um, And I have a very neurodiverse brain. And so do my children. So a lot of parents struggle with kids who may be, um, it may be ADHD, it may be just giftedness. It may be all different things that come to play where the child is just thinking and doing things in a different way.
1: I I love that explanation. I am, I myself am neurodivergent and I am ADHD. I have dyslexia. You know, it's not just mental illnesses because I have anxiety and bipolar type two as well. It's, it's something that, you know, people at least from what I've seen and heard conversations around is that mental illnesses and neurodivergency are the same. And I'm not sure the actual definition on this. So this is not a clinical thing, but in my mind, I've separated the two because it's like, I have, you know, anxiety and bipolar type two, which yet, yeah, I guess they do make me neurodivergent because I react differently. But when I hear neurodivergent, it's more like, I don't know, like the ADHD thing, the dyslexia, do they, are they the same type of stuff or is it, so people that come out in the LGBTQ plus community, are they considered neurodivergent because they're not society's idea? Like how can we dive in a bit more about that?
0: Yeah. So I don't know um, the answer to your question about mental illness per se versus different diagnoses. I just know that I consider anybody who thinks different neurodivergent. If anybody that's outside of the norm, out of the box. But um, gender itself is not within neurodiversity. It just often intersects. I think it's gender diversity we're seeing. um, And while gender is a mental construct, um, I think those are two different things. They just happen to intersect quite often.
1: I, I'm Googling it. I grab my phone to Google um, because I, I, I'm curious about this. Um, and there's a few. I'll take a screenshot and uh, upload it to your episode so people can see my sources. Um, uh, neurodiversity refers to variation in human brain regarding Sociability, learning, attention, mood, and other mental functions in a non pathological sense. Um, It was coined in 1998 by uh, sociologist Judy Singer, who helped popularize the concept along with the journalist Harvey Bloom. So uh, the next one says, Neurodivergent refers to an individual who has a less typical cognitive variation such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, etc. Neurotypical refers to individuals of a t- typical development and intellectual cognitive functioning. So it didn't quite answer my uh, answer my question, but I think it makes sure that we get what the Google says the uh, Uh, official answer
0: is. (laughs) And I think as it becomes more, um, more visible, like people are talking more and more about it and talking about it in a quote unquote normal way. I think we find out more and more of us are neurodiverse and didn't even know it. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: same with our children as they evolve beyond what was neurotypical, you know, we just have a new word for it.
1: I like that. I like that because it, it, and this is a whole nother conversation that we can go into. So oh. uh, thank you for touching base on that and how you, uh, so that way we at least get an understanding of how you went from occupational therapy to uh, uh, your coaching that you have now. And just as a, I'm not going to go in a downward spiral on this. What is occupational therapy?
0: Oh, I, um, it's working with anybody um, from, birth to death on anything you do every day is occupation, whether it be bathing, dressing, playing, um, function, um, function of your hands, function of your arms, those kind of things. So an occupational therapist works to normalize all your daily functions.
1: Very cool. Okay. I just wanted everybody to have a level playing field. Cause I know like I get these concepts conceptually, but I'm like, I don't, I don't remember the last time I actually asked someone what it was. Um, So that being said, what your... So how would... I'm going to say this probably wrong, and uh, I'm excited that you are a coach in this area because you can correct me. How did your... Would I say your daughter come out because you now have a transgender son or how... How would somebody ask about that? Is it proper to even ask when it is someone transgender or somebody has a family
0: member that's transgender? Like, how did that all come about? It's perfectly okay to ask. And people will often be very avoidant. But you always would refer to my child as my son. Even as um, an infant, um, we go back and correct that that was my son oh he was just correct incorrectly identified and you know my it's kind of like my mistake huh didn't know
1: i'm noodling on that one because that's that's so cool like it's it really does change the construct that society has come up with for gender when you go back in time and be like nah it was, it's my son. It's always been my son.
0: Yep. And what's really fun is a lot of parents will go and buy a baby's first Christmas ornaments and go back and fix them all, so they they have them corrected. And this time of year, you see a lot of it. I'm like, that's fabulous, y'all. Yeah. So you would always ask about my son, um, and use the pronouns that he would choose. And it it is perfectly okay to ask what someone's pronouns are and how they identify. Okay. Because my son doesn't identify as non-binary. So you wouldn't know necessarily what his pronouns were. Okay.
1: Going into asking lots of definitions today. What is non-binary?
0: Non-binary means doesn't identify as male or female necessarily. So my son identifies as what they call transgender masculine. So he's more He identifies more masculine than feminine, but he doesn't identify necessarily with either. So he considers himself gender fluid, able to float in or out. And so um, that takes, there's a whole spectrum of that as well. So somebody may be transgender feminine, transgender masculine, or they may be completely in between and fluid between, or they may be don't identify as a gender that we identify with at all. Okay, I'm wrapping my head around
1: this. so, yeah, so
0: we have this third gender of non-binary mm-hmm. that anybody can fit into and be whatever they want.
1: Okay, I'm going to play the, like, I don't know enough about this. So, And if I come across as, you know, rude or, uh, please, please correct me on that. I, I ask because I don't want to put this intellectual burden on people that don't want to answer these questions. So, um okay. So if I think what I'm having a hard time, like mentally just wrapping my head around, because I, I have found myself going, cool, you are who you are, you know, like, let's celebrate who you are. What I'm having a hard time is the lot, like the logic, The line going from A to B um, right now. And where I'm struggling with that is if if someone is transgender masculine, we're going to go, I'm working on following my train of thought, and they're non-binary, would, how does that still make someone transgender? So any... Yeah, if they're both, a, you know, if they have feminine and masculine, it, it, I guess my question would be, and this is could be very, very ignorant, couldn't they be
0: non-binary and not transgender, I think is... It's a great question. So some non-binary individuals do not identify as transgender, but typically that anyone non-binary is considered transgender. And the reason is gender is assigned at birth by what genitals you got. So that's your assigned sex. Mm -hmm. And then trans is just Latin for across. So if you're anything other than what they assigned you, then we call you transgender. So the other term you would use for that, if you've heard is cisgender and cisgender means same. So somebody who is cisgender, I was born female. I was assigned female at birth and I am female. So I am cisgender. My son was assigned female at birth, but he's non-binary. He's transgender across the gender he was assigned.
1: Okay. And I think that's, thank you for answering that. I think another part I'm stuck on is, uh, if you're non-binary, uh, then you, he's your son now. So, That's also something I think I'm a little stuck on because how did, how would son fit into, uh, and he, instead of they, them and what,
0: okay. That simple. It's that simple. Somebody chose their pronouns and their, their title. Some people want to go by my child or my offspring, or I've seen some fantastic words used. People call things. All sorts of things. And so they get to choose. My son initially wanted to be known as my child. They, them. That was kind of a transition. So we used the they, them pronouns, which for all those parents out there, and this is the shit we don't want to talk about, that is stinking hard. Because we are trained in our brains to love black and white thinking. It's just such, it's how our brains work. It's easier. And then when we get this, what we've been taught as a plural, it's hard. And our kids are really hard on us, some of them, about, come on, can't you get it right? Because there's so much more what we would call neuroplastic or so much more easily changed. You know, it's like kids can learn a foreign language so much easier than adults because their brains are so much more fluid. The same thing goes with pronouns and they don't get why we're so stuck, but it is stinking hard to get. And so we went through from she, her pronouns to they, them, from they, them to he, him, because that's where he identified. Now, other people, that may not be where they go. Right, right. And
1: I appreciate breaking it down a little bit in the fact of, I I think, using not your son necessarily, but the uh, his journey. We'll go with (laughs) that as an example uh, to like break it down. So hopefully this helps others understand it because I feel like a big reason why people are so ignorant about it or so against it is they don't understand it. And I think that is a hard thing to start comprehending if it's not something you identify with or have someone close to you that identifies that
0: way it was that hard for when i had a child and that's the thing that we don't talk about enough is that it is hard and when it's your child and you have to figure it out quickly and respectfully it is twice as hard and a lot of the support groups out there will say, just get over and accept your child and be loving and move on. And it's like, whoa, it doesn't quite work like that. The brain does not just jump from one to other. Just because you accept them doesn't mean it's easy. Can you dive in a bit
1: more about that? Like, what were the feelings? Is there, and I know this is a case by case basis that you can kind of, I've heard that parents can kind of see it coming um, or that it's totally like out of the blue or and I've also heard it where family members are like, this is just a phase. So yeah. how, how did that conversation happen with you? And how do, is there a trend that you see or is it all individual basis and how do we like,
0: That conversation comes up. What do you do? So um, let me make notes. I break those down. What do you do? So is it a a phase? That's a common one. Are they in a phase? Nine times out of 10, no. They might be in transition of different um, letters upon the LGBTQIA spectrum because they know something's different, but they don't know what it is. So it's common that I'll see someone say, my child came out as gay first, then they came out as this, then they came out as that, then they came out as this. It must be a phase. It's like, no, they just didn't have the right words for it yet. And that was our journey too, with that. My son tried out different words until he found the one that fit. Um, So I generally don't think it's a phase. Somebody is who they say they are. And that can be hard, but it's the fact of the matter that any individual knows themselves best. Um, Is there a common trend in how it happens? There's really not. Um, People will tell me it came out of the blue, but I promise it never came out of the blue. Our children do a lot of research before they're willing to come to us because it's scary and they don't know what's going to happen. And I tend to see a trend of children have been kind of researching for anywhere from six months to two years before they come to the parent. It's a long time. So what seems like out of the blue to us was never out of the blue. I've never seen a case yet that was out of the blue that they just decided this one day and decided to tell a parent. There always There's so much out there now, even on TikTok, that our kids can watch and learn and understand So they're, they can identify with somebody first and then they come and, Hey, I think something's going on here. And one thing that we forget is that it's a privilege once the child does that because they were really brave to tell us Mm -hmm. because it's not societal norm and it's scary Mm -hmm. because people are not accepting and we don't know what's going to happen. The child doesn't know what's going to happen in the family. They don't know what's going to happen in their real life it's not an easy path a hundred percent and I I
1: I know at least when I've been around people that have been very uh close-minded about this I'm like why do you care it's like if as long as they're not hurting other individuals you know or animals or doing harm to anyone what does it matter
0: I'm very curious. The answer to that from people too is why does it matter so much to you? And I often will get, well, I want my children to be safe. Mm-hmm. What about okay. my son? Is he safe? Because if you look, they'll, they'll say, well, bathroom safety. I don't know about you, but I don't see transgender individuals having any bathroom safety issues in the news. I haven't had any issues with any parents, children ever, they're just scared to go to the bathroom. So, so when they choose safety, I'm I'm looking for. I think it's they want safety in their brain.
1: And when we're talking about bathroom safety, just to break that down a little bit, that's we that's when uh, you know somebody that's transgender has to choose between two gender bathrooms, and nice. especially if. I say it this way because I guess where putting myself in their shoes, which I never could do, but like, you know, in my imagination, it would be harder as a, if you're not looking the parts or you're a transgender male, if you haven't, and it doesn't, okay. It doesn't make you any less transgender male if you haven't changed your genitalia. And I think that's something that has come up a lot. And I have a favorite TikTok person. Unfortunately, I never pay attention to names, but I will find him and post it in the description that he talks about that, of how it doesn't make him any less male or anything like that. But I would be, if I were in their shoes, I'd be scared of going to the men's bathroom because I can't use a urinal. That, that I, I laugh because I'm like, It makes me like, that's what I'm afraid of. And I laugh in like that awkward, I'm not in this phase. So it's not like a laugh of like disrespect. It's a laugh of a, I'm really uncomfortable even talking about this, right?
0: First time my son told me he used the, the men's room at the high school, I had the exact same response. I laughed and was like, how did it go? And... Began to laugh because I was so uncomfortable. I was like, I'm not laughing at you. And I'm really inside just kind of bubbling out my pride that you were brave enough to finally take that step. And, And so I think that comes out that way. Yeah. And so they call it like there's a social transition and there's a physical transition. And just because someone transitions socially doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to change any part of themselves. And, you know, whether they choose to change, you know, take hormones or cut hair or, I mean, there are all sorts of spectrums of what people can and can't do. It makes the bathroom situation very challenging, depending on how much, you know, contrast someone has to their gender.
1: Yeah. And I, I guess in my mind, and I just want to call this out, why I don't imagine, and it could be because I am cis female, that I am I imagine transgender women having uh, a bit of an easier time because there's stalls. So it's hidden, but that doesn't mean that it's any less scary. So I do want to call that out because I did focus on the other side of the spectrum. Um, and it's scary no matter what. So I really love that we talked about bathroom safety and just that's something that I feel like people don't even
0: think about. Um, but continuously, yeah is is mind your own business. That's yeah. what I would tell people: just mind your own business and let somebody go to the bathroom so that they can have peace and use the bathroom. One of my clients' sons held it in school to the point that he got continuous UTIs at school because he was bullied for going to the bathroom. And if people had minded their business and let just let the kid go to the bathroom, and this was in both bathrooms, got bullied in the boys bathroom and got bullied bullied in the girls bathroom. So then there was no bathroom options and a child shouldn't have to then go, they say, "Well, go use the nurse's station. You know, that's not always like in our school, there's multiple floors, a child shouldn't have to do that. An adult shouldn't have to do that. Anybody. So um, just kind of mind your own business and let people know that they're, they're just trying to go to the bathroom. Yeah, you know, to, we don't know anybody's business.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to know that business. I mean, there we do we will be having a a nutritional coach that literally talks about shit. Um so I mean, we'll get there, but not like necessarily something I like to talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, now, getting back on on the original track of uh, we talked about uh, like, is there uh, an average or how that normally comes out? Like, uh, or and as you said, parents can feel blindsided even though their children are doing lots and lots of research. Is there an average age that
0: you've seen? No, um, it commonly we'll see a lot of children with the transition of puberty where things become, they become dysphoric in their body, which means their body doesn't fit and they're not understanding what's going on. That is a very common time. But we are seeing more younger children. And it used to be much older because people were afraid in school. And now that we're learning to be a little more protective, kids are tending to come out in earlier and earlier.
1: And how... When uh, a child or even an adult comes out specifically to those close to them, to parents, I'm curious because uh, I have, uh, you know, access to you of how you reacted, um, if you're willing to share, but then how do you coach parents to
0: react? So I did not react well. First, I didn't understand what he was trying to tell me, and I... um, I was raised Catholic and very, um, conservatively in that realm. And I didn't, I think there was a big part of me that was afraid for my child and didn't want anything to do with this. So I didn't react well. And I did say, you know, I love you no matter what. Um, but I'm not sure what's going on. And I didn't react well. And I didn't, um, ask questions um, and I also remember the day going back to what we were talking about being non-binary. My son came out to me as non-binary and it was months before I realized that meant transgender. And I walked in his room after reading it and I walked in and I said, oh my gosh, are you transgender? And he began busted out laughing. He was like, yes, mom. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. Oh, Okay. Because the non-binary thing was so confusing to me. Now, when parents come and say, "How do I, how do I handle it?" I start with, "I love you. I love you for who you are," and asking questions. Because we think, "Oh, we shouldn't ask them because we don't want to put them on the spot." We should ask questions because we need to know. And every kid's different, you know. And how are you feeling about that? How can I help you? How can I support you? What's the best course right now? Do you want to? Is this something you want to transition with? Because there's a lot of questions that we have and what it means. For some kids, it means something totally, or adults mean something totally different. You know, I want to stay exactly as I am and just be called something different. Some people, it means I want to have surgery and I want to have hormones and I want everything to change. So we've got to start asking those questions in small phases and small Small bite-sized processes.
1: I'm thinking back to an episode that we did late, uh, late November, early December, uh, with Darcy talking about intersectionality. And Darcy identifies as they, them. And I'm asking in the fact that I I. I think a lot of people, when, as you mentioned, they keep their original bodies, they don't want to go through hormones, they don't want to go through and change anything about their bodies, yet they want to be identified as they, them, because at least the way, if I remember correctly, the way Darcy explained it is they experience both feminine and masculine, so they want to be identified as they, them. I feel like that's another one that's kind of hard to conceptualize. Like, cool, I'm going to accept them for whoever they are. But that's also something that, you know, if I try to go A to B, and I only imagine this is something else other people get stuck on, is how, why, how is that considered transgender when it's almost like they're taking gender away
0: because they're becoming they, them? I think the person gets to decide, okay. but under, under just the definition as it is, they just put that as transgender hmm. and That's people cool. are what they, what they say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and even in their episode, I, you know, got, I've known Darcy for about six months and Darcy came out as they, them, only about a month ago a month before the episode and i had to correct myself from calling them she and i'm gonna say it, she didn't correct me like that and i was like no, no 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 this is something i need to call myself on because you identify as they them i need to call you they them
0: not that's what i'm used to and when we do that making mistakes are so easy i'm um one of the things I tell people is don't make a, a production of it. Just repeat what you said with the correct pronoun in it and keep moving. Shows respect, shows acknowledgement, keep moving. Yeah.
1: I really like that. Now, when you talked about that as a parent, you, you struggled when your son came out. How... When parents are coming to you or, uh, you know, individuals that need to support at that point, they've normally, they've, I don't know if normally if that word just kind of came out, um, but they probably have had their, that coming out conversation with their child. How do you coach them afterwards? Like what are, what would you say are things that people can
0: do to support their children? So that people will come to me because they're struggling to know what to do next. And it's very individual, um, where they are in the, que- in the process, what questions they want to ask. So we work on what is it you want? What is it you're wanting to know? What is it you're wanting to go with? And where do you need support? A lot of times people are in a grieving process and we are told as parents that we shouldn't grieve because our child is still alive and we still have a healthy child and we shouldn't grieve. And, um, that's another one on the support groups that people are really snippy with other parents about like, why are you grieving? Well, we have to, and that's where people are. I We have to identify where they are in that process because we're, we're almost dealing with the death of an idea of this person that we created in our head. And we've got to recreate our own thoughts and our own experience of this person. It doesn't mean we're grieving the actual person. But we're grieving all these ideas and beliefs we had about this person. And that's completely natural and normal. But often we need support doing it so it doesn't come out in weird ways with the child.
1: Something you mentioned in our intro call, and I've mentioned this on a few podcasts now, uh, of how – and this just really struck a chord. I'm not a parent – but I I do this with my friends. I do this, you know, when you have a new job, a new relationship, a new, like, really anything new. Uh, but you described it as when you have a child, you start to daydream about all the possibilities they have as a future. And those possibilities are the gender that they're born with. So part of the grieving process that you told me about was breaking that down because a lot of times what parents struggle with is not the actual change it's that idea of oh my little girl's gonna get married and be so beautiful in that dress and we're gonna have a giant wedding and now it's that okay, my son is going to get married and be look amazing in a tux. And and then it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's one of those like, <laughs> I feel awkward, so I'm going to laugh.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. Like, for example, my son's now a senior in high school. And the mental construct I had from the time I found out my ultrasound, it's a girl, is oh, um, there's going to be the prom dress, right? And there's going to be the preparation for college and talking about female roommates. And then they're going to be decorating their rooms together and all those things just this year alone. And my mental construct has to change to, that's not the way it's going to be. And that's not who my child is. And things come up every year and every phase along the way because we do, we fantasize from the time, they tell us and you know we have these gender reveal parties we fantasize from that moment forward what this child is going to be when in fact we were the ones that were wrong
1: and what would you say to new parents that just found out that they're pregnant and want to support whatever gender that they show like that they are, that they show up as, because I think this is something that uh, I, and again, I'm not a parent, but I have a a hard time figuring this out in my my own head of supporting, like if I had a little girl, I hands down will dress her up like a princess all the time. (laughs) Just like hands down, as long as I can, I will probably put her in tutus. Um, But then, you know, if that child decides a mom i hate those tutus i'd never want to see a tutu again in my life and because they could want to be a tomboy they could want to be you know uh you know want to be male they could um you know but so those are possibilities and i think it's easy to go okay i'll accept you for who you are but then i have a problem like where i'm stuck is Also supporting that if it's a little girl, that a little girl just wants to grow up and be a princess now and how to be open to all of them and have those conversations from a young age that it's okay to be who, to discover who they want to be.
0: Right. So I tell parents to follow the child's lead. I definitely see. I had, um, this is interesting. I had, when I had my children, I had a non-binary kind of sense of things anyway, from working in pediatrics, um, so I introduced that I didn't dress my first in much pink, um, and I did everything in green. Um, but I tell parents, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the tutus and princesses. Just follow their lead, right? And so make sure that you're you're introducing them to both sides. It used to be in Target that um, the Lego aisle was labeled boys' toys. And it actually said that on there, and there was Legos. And then the next aisle was girls' toys, and there were Barbies. And of course there were. That was stereotypical. And until we learned differently, you know, we had to. But if we want to raise our children to be well-rounded, we need to introduce them to everything, anything, knowing that it doesn't make them into anything. And one of the things you said is that they would want to be male – one of the things we know about transgender individuals is that they don't want to be anything. We just are. Right. So they just are male. And it's not that your child wants to be male. It's that they are male. And so we just follow their lead. I know that when my um, son was little, he adored Bob the builder and another mom came up to me and was like, why does your daughter so into Bob the builder? And why would you dress them like that? And it was like, Because my kid likes Bob the Builder and dump trucks. I don't know. Why do you choose that? And, but he also liked Tutus an awful lot (laughs) in in his time. So I think we just follow their lead. You know, you go through the phases of Thomas the Train and whatever else, Paw Patrol. Yeah, Uh, we just follow. Yeah.
1: And that's something that I'm also looking back at my own childhood of my dad always wanted me to dress as a boy. He would get me boy toys. He would like I would want like a doll and he would bring me uh, rattlesnake tails, like the (laughs) rattles of a rattlesnake. And, and like, he would want me to work on cars and he would want me to, uh, you know, like work in the shop kind of stuff, um, like woodworking. And I'm like, I didn't realize that I could be girly and wear lipstick or do my hair or wear dresses until I was in my twenties. Oh, interesting. because, Because he always wanted me to be a boy. And so... It's, it's totally a different perspective. And I share that because I, I feel like uh, having that, like that conversation, like not having these conversations to a child and giving them the opportunities and the options and following their lead, as you said, like I l- wish I could have stayed in dance. I love dance. I have two left feet, by the way, I'm the worst dancer <clears throat> ever, but I freaking love to dance. And instead, you know, I, my parents got me into other things that were, um, more manly and my mom just followed my dad's lead, which, uh, you know, that happens a lot. So I'm, I'm just like, if, if I could go back to like my childhood, you know, I would have been probably a lot girlier, way younger than my twenties. And I can only imagine how not having supportive parents in discovering that as your child is growing older can be so hard for that child.
0: Yeah. And one point about your story is that people will think that you can make someone male or make someone female, no matter what you were introduced to, you are who you are and you will be who you are, which tends to be now girly girl. And that there's nothing wrong with that, you know? And so People think that, oh, well, it's because your son was given Bob the Builder or dump trucks. Mm-hmm. No, they are who they are. We're mm-hmm. just getting the privilege of learning who they are now.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say Legos are not just for boys because I right? frackishly love Legos. And Me too. The old school before Connects Tinker Toys, they were wooden. I don't know if, you know, to our audience, if anybody had Tinker Toys, they are amazing. Uh, My grandparents had them.
0: Yes, they They still sell them. Yes, they do. Because I love woodworking.
1: Oh, because I love working. My grandpa was in woodworking. Don't want to touch a car with a five-foot pole. But I've learned, (laughs) and, and I mentioned this because I've learned that there are male and female sides of myself. There's interests that I have. And I mention this because even though I am cis woman and I am heterosexual, does not mean that I cannot accept those that are different than me. And it does not mean that I can't have friends that are different than me, that we can't ask questions because they're different, because I personally don't identify as them. A hundred percent, like I will not know I what they're going point,
0: through. Right? Yeah. I think it makes it more important that we have those friends because how are we going to know anybody else's experience in the world if we don't? One of the mm-hmm. things I tell parents, I'm like, reach out in your community, make some trans friends. Get to know people so you know these are just human beings having a human experience mm-hmm. so that there isn't this mystique of who someone is. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think it's more important as us Uh, As individuals, that we have friends on all spectrums. Because how are we going to know otherwise? A 100%. And Mm -hmm. I. What a a loss. You got to break that
1: stigma. Yeah. You got to break that stigma and be an ally and support them for the beauty that they are. Just whoever they're showing up as. And I always say the caveat as "As long as they're not harming anyone or anything. Because, you know, I don't. I don't want any, like, embracing Hitlers in the world, you know? Maybe he needed a little more love and acceptance. Um, He didn't need all the blonde people in the world. Like, you know, like, let's be loving and true. now, can you um, talk me through uh, just a house? I'm a parent. Well, in this scenario, I'm a parent. (laughs) Um, And my child just came out. And I go, what the fuck do I do? Because I have all these ideas of who they were going to be. And I'm worried about their safety, not just bathroom safety, but are they going to be beat up? Are people going to come after them? Like, And I go, okay, cool. Like, I can't ask my child all of this. And I'm freaking out. Where do you where would I start getting that support? Where do, where do I start instead of like freezing where I am? Because just the idea
0: of that, I'm yeah. going, Oh fuck. Uh. Yeah. So we need to find a counselor or a coach who is trained in what we would call, you know, queer knowledge, um, whatever, and gender knowledge there are, it's usually you can Google it in your town. I mean, I live in small town America and I can find it on Google and my own of somebody to support or they can look me up and send an email and I say people I will always answer you and always find help you find resources because and if if you're in a big city there are always gender clinics and they can refer out locally um and find the lo- most what's a gender most- clinic yeah. So, um, I live in, in more rural Virginia. And so closest to me would be in university of Virginia in Charlottesville. There's a gender clinic. So they work with individuals on, um, hormones, surgeries, those kind of things, they perform them there. And so I could call them and say, Hey, I'm in this city and I need a counselor. Do you have any recommendations? And I, they'll give you a list. They're wonderful. And, um, even searching coach LGBTQIA, um, just searching those things and asking somebody for support because we need, as parents, somebody to talk to, for sure, and to learn Definitely. how to create safety. And,
1: and one thing that uh, we, we've talked about in a previous episode uh, with Patrick was the term safety versus secure. And I just mentioned this because as parents, and we're talking about children, it might not be the same, but if you have friends and family that are adults, safety may actually trigger them. Um, it's it's definitely making them a secure place because you don't know what they've gone through and when safe people weren't safe. So just as food for thought for, you know, the, the loved ones of older ages. Um, and that's really cool about the gender clinics. I now, now I want to look one up
0: in Denver and go say hi yeah. and see how they're you doing. Have a great, you have great ones in Denver. I think you have two, if I can remember correctly, but don't, I'll ca- look don't them up and say hi. <laughs> there's wonderful resources. And most towns now have diversity centers as well. They call them different things, but, um, and they are always, have resources and there are online support groups for parents um, for the kids that they can meet on zoom. There are amazing resources. It's one of the the best things that came out of COVID is that these things went online. And Mm. because I belong to a, a parent support group in Michigan, because I happen to really love this group of parents and I never would have found them if COVID hadn't happened. I just happened upon them. And I was like, this is, these are my people. And I belong to my local one too, but for some reason I just really connect there and I tell people there are wonderful resources online and they yeah, meet like three I, times a week. And I remember
1: um, years ago, I volunteered when I lived in Phoenix at the uh, LGBTQ plus uh, center. And uh, just uh, just from going back then, and I would think that the gender, gender uh centers also are probably very similar in the fact that they have resources for those going through it as well. And it's definitely something where you can get your STT, STD testing. Wow. I cannot talk today. (laughs) Um, there's books, there's, you know, um, so many different resources and, um, I'll definitely link some, uh, in, in the show notes and, uh, on the website of some that, uh, Sarah, and of course, linking out to Sarah's website, uh, what, what is something that we haven't talked about that is really important in this conversation that I haven't thought of? Cause I'm not in it.
0: It's really important to take everything with a grain of salt when you get into these groups, because everybody's experience is different and it's okay to experience the negative side of it. It's okay to say, I'm scared. I'm sad. I'm struggling because people will tell you, no, be more accepting, be more loving. It does, has nothing to do with acceptance and love. And, 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 It's really important to know that that's just, it's okay. It's okay to experience all of it. That sounds much easier said than done. Right. It is much easier said than done. And it is a process. This is not something we expect to happen overnight.
1: Could you give us an example of what, it feels like to sit in that fear or, you know, work through processing that. Uh, I The part that comes to mind is that fear of their safety, not just bathroom safety, but again, like just um, what comes to mind is how the Trevor Project started and um, just... Like, how does the parent, like, it just sounds, I feel like we're conceptually talking about a lot of this, but to dig in a little deeper, how do we start with that processing?
0: That's where we need a professional because we have to, we have to at least first get it out. Um, I'll give you an example a little bit even deeper than these. My son was self-harming and I found out he had been cutting himself and, um, that fear as parents is terrifying that our child is hurting themselves and that we had a hand in it and we weren't helping them and we were making it worse. And, um, it's terrifying. Honestly, it's terrifying when, because there's physical harm involved and that's when we need a professional. It is not something that we deal with on our own. And I say the same thing for if you have fear for safety and security, don't deal with it on your own. This is when we need an extra person involved. We need to talk to our professionals and we need to create a plan.
1: I know for many, many people talking to a professional, there's a lot of pride that goes around not talking to a Mm -hmm. professional. There's a lot of In my instance, um, I have an amazing therapist now who talks all the shit we talk about. Like she helps me deal with everything. Um, but I've had like over 20 horrible therapists. Um, and so what would you say to parents, you know, wanting to get a professional and not knowing where to start because it can also be very overwhelming looking, the Googles can be overwhelming is I guess the best thing I could say. (laughs) I
0: tell people interview them. And if they won't let you interview them, no, that's what I did. I went through and I was like, if you're not willing to let, to tell me your philosophy or, you know, how you can help me or talk me through just a little bit, we're not a fit because I need to, I need to know that I'm in a safe space too. And I think that's one of the things that um, people really appreciate when they come to me is that I've been there. I've done this. I've lived it. And I can candidly tell you, this is what happened and this is what didn't happen. And this is what's happened for other people. And this is how other people have dealt with it. And it's different than what you're saying, but you can try this or you can try that.
1: I love that. I love that. That is something that I think that's the best way to say it is interview them. And it doesn't have to be the the same question for each of them. I know that uh, something that I do in therapy is on almost every therapist, but the one I have right now, I'm the amazing at deflecting and getting to know my therapist better than my, they, they know me like I'm like top notch. That is a skill. And, um, It's one of the first things that I told my therapist, my now therapist. And she's like, I'm glad that you admitted that. And you're not going to go shit. I love that my therapist cusses as well. Like she is one of the coolest people in the world. She has like tattoos everywhere. She's actually younger than me. And I'm just like, you have so much life knowledge still and holistically in the whole human that that's what fit for me. But it was that first introduction that made me go
0: I dig your vibe. I like. Yep. It it um, meshes with me. And th- and somebody that's willing to say you know this is above my head. Yeah. But let me help you find a resource because yes. I also want somebody that's going to say yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let me help you find the answer to that.
1: And that's something that my therapist has done because we really want to go we've looked into going to family therapy because my father-in-law is a recovering addict and moved in with us this year. And that's hard. And Mm. it's something that we wanted to work through together. And I asked her if I could bring them in and she's like, that's not my cup of tea, but let me see if I can find someone that is. And it's something that I say that as in the LGBTQ plus community, as much as like, if I could go to therapy and be like, yo, I'm awesome at this. I love this community. I'm not going to have those experiences. And I think that's a huge difference in the fact that I, I can only imagine how difficult and brave it is to come out. Yeah. And now I know your own experiences are with your son. Do you also uh, coach through coming out in different ways?
0: I have worked with individuals as they've come out just because they, they, like you said, they vibed with me and they wanted to work with me um, and their own transition. It is not generally who I work with, but um, I have just because um, we just clicked and got, got where we needed to go.
1: And do you help parents, uh, that are their children come out in different ways?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Is it different when, uh, uh, uh their son says that they're gay or, um, you know, they're daughter says, uh, she's a lesbian is coming out that differently than if they're transgender. Yes, there's a lot more that goes into it, but is the love and acceptance and conversations different?
0: Um, it depends on what the parents thoughts are, what they're, I tend to find that parents of transgender children have a lot more, um, depth to their struggle um just because they have to deal with that that fantasy thinking of mm-hmm. of of who their child is was and going to be versus um a gay lesbian bisexual child, but some parents, based on upbringing and um whatever have so much so many challenges with it that they go through the same thing and i I tell people I'm like there's nothing to invalidate your experience. This is, this is you and this is okay.
1: What do you wish someone
0: told you at the beginning of your journey? I wish somebody had told me my child was going to be okay. I, I was terrified. Um, We have a non-accepting parent. We have, you know, a, a very conservative community and I was really scared for him. And I wish somebody had said, you know, the child's going to leave here. And you're going to set him up, and you're going to do just fine, and everything's going to be okay. It's just how a, long... a bumpy road. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, how long did it take you to believe that after he came
0: out? Oh, quite a while. Um, it was probably a good six, nine months before I believed we were going to be okay on this this road. It might have been even longer. I, I could only imagine that
1: those who come out may tell their friends before they tell their parents. Yes. Um, have you had to deal with, um, and I can only imagine, uh, children's experience and it sounds kind of weird in my head. Like I'm almost 34. So anybody under the age of 18, I'm like, they're definitely children. Like but if you told me I was a child when I was fourteen, I would be livid, so yes. um uh it's it's like this is a you know in my head, this is kind of difficult, but um when your children tell their friends and then they uh, come out to parents how they deal with it at school, and how, as parents do they help their children through this because, uh, for your example of the bathroom story, um, or, you know, children being bullied, uh, going to both or either not just bathroom stuff, but it could be a, um, and this is one of the, um, the, the TikTok person I keep talking about that. I don't know their handle, um, that I love because it was, this is also something that I get stuck on. He was previously a very, very girly girl. And how, how does that look for a lot of children in their, in
0: their society? It all depends on the community, right? And the school and whatnot, but this is where we use the guidance counselor too. And a lot of schools like ours have a gender plan and, and, You just go through and um, contact the school counselor and ask for their help because they very rarely have not been through it before. As a school? As a school. Yeah. It's very rare that they have not been before. And sometimes parents have no idea because they've done it so well.
1: Oh, okay. Is there... um, What... In your experience, and I know this is, uh, I'm asking for the U.S., it's going to be different worldwide and could also be state to state of laws, or have you seen anything that's been really against transgender?
0: Oh, there's all sorts of stuff going on on the national scene um, for trans rights, trans healthcare. State to state trans bathrooms, children's rights. Um some states won't allow people to change their gender marker without surgery. It's 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 gener it generally goes state by state um as to what's going on and as as these cases come up. Okay. And
1: I have my own experiences with Planned Parenthood and how um, which I mean, this is something that I mentioned in my bio. I've actually had to have two abortions in my life. The first one was by kind of by choice. The second one wasn't by choice. So I've been to Planned Parenthood and I've seen the picketers and the rioters outside of it. Now, for those who want to go to like the gender center, um, does that show up there as well?
0: Oh, yes. And we happen to use Planned Parenthood for our gender clinic locally, and we've experienced it there. So Planned
1: Parenthood is actually something that can be used as a gender clinic, too. That's so that cool. That is
0: correct. They do um, hormones and all. They, they do all of my son's care. That is
1: so cool. Now, mm-hmm this might be a state by state question, but, um, I am going off of memory. I have no idea where I got this information. I just consumed it at some point that it's not a good idea to, okay. If you have, if a child decides that they want to, that they are, I don't say I want to, I think it's like a want, like they choose, like, it's like a, it's not like they're trying on an outfit, you know, it's just the vocabulary that comes out <laughs> um, right. when a when a child comes out, if it is pre puberty, they can do uh, puberty blockers um, right. until they get old enough to make that de- decision. I don't know if it's a make that decision or they have to just they by law have to wait till an age. Um, is that something that's state by state is that
0: by it law is. that they have to wait
1: by and for an age?
0: It is state by state and, um, certain in certain States it's parental. Um, you have to have both parents in certain States. It's one parent, certain States it's 18, certain States it's 16. Some States have no regulation whatsoever. Okay. Or they have a certain amount of time in Virginia. We have, you had to wait a certain amount of time and, um, have a letter from a therapist that you had seen for, I think it was six months, um, before you made any hormone decisions.
1: Okay. And now from what I understand is that if you do the, like the hormone blockers be like before you hit puberty to, which from my understanding that delays puberty. Um, Mm -hmm. so that way when a child, is old enough, or I'm just going to call them a human because I feel really weird that I keep calling them children, um, especially puberty ages. So if the human (laughs) decides that they're blocking their hormones and, um, before they do hormone replacement and does, is that something that from your knowledge that has to be done before, if they want to do the, the surgery, processes
0: it usually is done beforehand but it doesn't have to be um like for um someone who is wanting top surgery that's female to male they don't have to be on testosterone to have that done i'm
1: processing this because i feel like i don't know about enough about anatomy to be like so the boobs aren't going to grow back
0: Oh, right. No, no. So that's usually done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's usually done, you know, late teenage years on. But um, I know in Virginia, you can do it at 16.
1: And for those of you that uh, are listening to the podcast not watching, there's a lot of pauses with me to like processing this. And I'm so grateful, Sarah, for you at letting me ask all of these like I feel like they're rudimentary questions, yet I feel like it's hard, it's a hard concept to understand because it's not something that's so accepted for parents, for society, for and I know that there are um I I I learned this early on of intellectual burden. And I mentioned this earlier, what intellectual burden is, is when you go to someone and they are your, kind of like your token LGBTQ plus person, your token black person, your token Asian person, and you expect yes. them to answer all of your questions of their heritage, of their experience as a whole. And something that I had to learn early on um is that I had a podcast it's called Greater Than it's still out if you guys want to check it out on like Apple iTunes and stuff um but in one of those episodes I learned about intellectual burden but also what I thought was reverse racism that's not a thing it's just you know I have privilege and I had no idea what it was like to be discriminated against but that taught me that not all people want to share this knowledge. They're having a hard enough time dealing with this shit, you know, like uh, not all black people want to tell about their entire history and, you know, relive it all in their experiences.
0: Nor should
1: they. Yeah. Nor should they exactly a hundred percent. Nor should uh, because there are that systemic racism that we can find people that want to share the knowledge and want to yes. dive in. And that's their purpose. Again, the same thing with the LGBTQ community, just because you have a gay friend doesn't mean you get to go ask them all of these questions just because you have a trans friend doesn't mean that they're going to want to talk about all this shit. They have enough to deal with. Everybody has right. enough to deal with. And yeah, I say I that. I love because, serving as a resource. Yes. Yes. Because of that. <laughs> I was just about to say yes, thank you. Yeah, and on this uh, on this podcast we'll have people that have gone through these experiences themselves. Like we'll have trans people. We'll have people that are in in a part of the LGBTQ+ plus community. We'll have people that wants to talk about racism and disabilities and men's mental health because they want to talk about it so we can learn about it without putting right. the intellectual burden on people not ready to talk about it themselves. Or nor right. should they ever have to talk about it because
0: it is not their job to educate everybody else. There's a Google. Right. I get it's overwhelming. Well, it's why I can't keep my email public is because I tell people, if you have these questions and they seem inappropriate, they probably are, but I'm that person you can ask. And if I don't know the answer, I have people that are willing to answer it. And so I will find you the answer and not disclose them.
1: I appreciate that so much because on that curiosity, like also taboo question of when, and I've seen this on this TikTok person that I keep talking about of when people ask him what he looked like before, what was his name before, what, what caused him to change? Like, could you go into maybe like share with us what questions you see a lot of that are taboo and why they are taboo? Like, I think that's a hard part because I think as humans, we get curious about it. So we want to know, but I think that what we struggle with is we don't understand why that
0: can be harmful. Asking these questions, so we don't want to put somebody back in their what we call dead name or dead self. That's okay. really the reason. So we don't ask somebody what their name was, what they looked like, what they what what parts they have. We don't ask people how they have sex. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be asked about my vagina or Wait. how I have sex or people any of talk those or questions. questions. Ask that. People will ask questions of, of people like that. Yeah, like, huh. are they planning huh. to have surgery? None of your business, you know? Okay. Um, yes, yeah, stay off of who people were and stay with people who they are. Are we allowed
1: to ask, mm-hmm. do they want children?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. Because I, don't I know feel like answer.
1: that is, is in, and I, that's fair. I, I, I feel, feel like it is something-
0: yeah, like I yeah. feel like
1: that one is hard because uh I'm gonna go, let's say, even both ways, if it's transgender male, like
0: how does that work? I don't now know. There's a question you wouldn't ask. Exactly. There's the Google for that, right? There's the Google ask- for
1: that. There's, you know, we may someday have people on the podcast that have that experience and want to talk about it, especially right. vice versa. Uh, transgender woman. Um, but asking if they want to have children, I feel like that's fair game. You know, I would ask a new friend if they want to have children because I'm someone who in 2022 I'm going to end up having a hysterectomy because of body uh, issues that I have and medical issues I have. And I like hearing that my friends want to have kids. I like the, I've had to learn how to have little rugrats around. That's what I call them. They still like. I'm, I'm anti-gen. I will always be anti-gen until like another 10 years. And then uh, my partner and I are planning on adopting, but uh, it's, it's something that I just wanted to call that one out. That it's, there's a
0: difference in the question that you're asking. If you wouldn't ask it of somebody, you wouldn't ask it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and we don't ask about, like I said, who somebody was just who they are. We just don't go there.
1: I want to that's, sit with that, that, that for a cool. second. Yeah. We don't ask who somebody was, only ask about who they are. And yeah. I think that's a that's a that's just like a human concept in general, um, but specifically with transgender because who they are and who they want to be is where they're heading in their life. Right. And, and, that's, and we should
0: all be having those conversations about where we're heading in life, right? And so there's plenty to talk about. Yes. And, and, and just in the
1: fact that you wouldn't want to ask somebody about the trauma that they went through when it's like, like I've been raped. People don't go around asking me, oh, what was it like when you got raped? What was the situation? Do tell me more. I mean, people don't ask me that. So why ask somebody that right. is transgender about that? Because that is a traumatic experience. It's a beautiful experience, but it is hard. Yes, agreed. And I'm so, grateful for
0: you having these conversations so that people know.
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm the one that will awkwardly ask these questions, and and to the, to those of you listening and watching, if you have these questions, send them to me too. Of whatever you want, uh, like yeah. you know, tweet it to me if you're okay with it being public. It's shit. The number two, talk about like that's all of my handles on everything TikTok, Instagram, all of them, or email me. It's Jen at shit to talkabout.com because that's what this platform is for. Is if you have a curiosity question that is inappropriate, let's see if we can have a conversation around it with people that are open to talking about it. Because I feel like that's sometimes what we need to use to be able to connect from A to B. Like you guys probably heard there were multiple times on this episode that I'm like, cool, I like to accept people, but I don't get it, which I think that's what, yes, it may be good intent when we ask, just not the right
0: audience. Right,
1: right. Is there anything that we missed today that you were planning that you want to talk about?
0: I think we've, we've hit the
1: highlights. Yay. Any words of wisdom that you would like to leave our audience with?
0: Just it's okay to experience the gamut as the parent, it's okay. And I will tell you that your child is going to be okay. It is a process and it's okay to go through it however you're meant to. But um, there's a beautiful community out there. And if you need to connect, um, I'd love to, and I'd love to support you in any way, just seek out others and we're going to get through this. And what's, how do people reach out to you? I'm Sarah, S-A-R-A-H at sarahkennedycoaching.com, or they can find me at www.sarahkennedycoaching.com and hit contact and arrange a time. And I always tell people, just reach out. It, a Conversation's free. It's, it's a beautiful time and allows, we can grow so much in just a little bit of time. Thank you. Thank you. And what is something Absolutely. that you're grateful for? I am grateful that we are having this conversation in this world and that people are willing to say, I don't know, but we're going to get there.
1: We are. We are. And, and we're definitely changing this as shit. You don't want to talk about and, and rethinking it for to shit to talk about. And I appreciate right. that. And, and something I am grateful for is Sarah had to reschedule on me and it's, totally okay. I was like, uh, you know, life happens. That's it's what happens. And I didn't, uh, she had something come up and she did reach out. I just didn't get her message. And I was so bummed because I've been looking forward to like this conversation, like since our, like she commented and we connected and uh, our intro call. And I'm just so grateful that we had this conversation because this, this is a shitty conversation. Like this is hard. And it also like helps with my curiosity because I truly think humans have these questions because they're curious. It may not be appropriate to ask, but you know, let's, let's ask people that are open to sharing instead of putting that burden on those closest to us. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you, Sarah. We appreciate you listening to the episode. Please like, follow, and share on our social media at Shit2TalkAbout. That is Shit2TalkAbout. Stay tuned on Wednesdays and Fridays for new episodes. This episode was made possible by
0: Production Manager Tron Nguyen, Business Manager Bill Powell, and your host, Jeff.